Calls for a cabinet reshuffle have been on many people's lips in the wake of the ruling party's recent thrashing in the local elections. On Friday, on the occasion of a routine inspection at the Executive Yuan by Taiwan's highest watchdog body, Premier Su Chang said there has been a thorough government review, but there was no mention of any plans for a cabinet reshuffle. To mark the end of the year, Control Yuan Chief Chen Ju led a team to make a routine inspection of the Executive Yuan. Premier Su Chang arranged for all his ministers and agency heads to brief her on key policy points and the implementation of the national budget. In the end, everyone knows that it's really hard work. Through our hard work, we continuously make progress, engage in self-reflection, make reviews and then progress further. No government is 100% perfect. We can see how voters react to us from the election results. We have also conducted a thorough review. I will lead all the members of my team here, and from the lowest ranks to the highest, we will continue to work hard. Su seems to want to stay in charge of the executive yuan, but even if he stays on as premier, a small reshuffle is on the horizon. On Saturday, the term of the finance chief will expire, and he says he will return to teaching at National Taipei University. Basically, the day I leave office is a public holiday, so on Monday I'll go back to school. There are also questions over whether Council of Agriculture head Chen Jizhong will stay or go. My term lasts for a certain period. I originally came from academia, so of course I want to go back to university eventually. The COA minister's official term does not expire until 2025, but his ambiguous remarks are giving rise to speculation that he's getting ready to go. Vice President Lai Qingde, who is running for chairman of the DPP, is promising to revitalize Taiwan's ruling party in the wake of the worst electoral defeat in the party's history. On Thursday night, he rallied more than 800 in the central county of Nanto, urging young people not to give up on the party after some of them complained that the DPP was not responding to their needs. The period since our defeat in the municipal elections on November 26 has been the longest night for the DPP. Thursday was the winter solstice and the longest night of the year. Lai took this as a metaphor for the DPP's current state. Following his registration to run for party chair, he has been actively listening to advice from the grassroots. On the second step of a tour around Taiwan, he delivered a report to party members in Nantou, where local city councillors blasted him over the reasons behind the DPP's thrashing in the recent polls. Why didn't our young friends vote? I asked them all and they replied in one voice. They just want to remove President Tsai's team of government officials. Has the central government responded with the answers that people want? Or are they leaving everyone on red? The party's grassroots members began to review the party's failures and grumbles of discontent grew louder and louder.
Some party members said that whenever they went on the internet, they could only see political rhetoric from the KMT, while others alleged there had been vote buying at the local level. Lai looked solemn as he bowed his head and took notes while listening and responded to their complaints one by one. I fully feel everyone's love for this party, as well as your concern and support for Taiwan. If I have an opportunity to get everyone's support, when I get elected DPP chair, it will not only unite the party, but I will also be a biting force, so that not only can we have the ability to regroup after the setback, but I also will execute plans to cultivate talent. Don't give up on your ideals, don't lose your drive. This cold and long night will definitely pass. Lai promised that if elected as party leader, he would conduct a thorough review and seriously address the issues people were concerned about. He would do his best to lead the DPP to break through its current crisis. Friday was the last day in the office for many of Taiwan's local leaders, including Taipei Mayor Koenzhe, who packed up his belongings at City Hall surrounded by reporters. Many of the items in his office caught the reporters' attention, including a volume on cross-strait affairs by President Lai Ching, uh, Tsai Ing-wen and a backhanded gift he had received from a city councillor. <laughs> Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhe puts on his doctor's white coat for the first time in eight years, saying he's heading back to National Taiwan University Hospital. Friday was his last day of work as mayor and gave the media a tour of his resting quarters at Taipei City Hall. I just lounge over here as I don't have the habit of taking afternoon naps. I'll leave the coat hangers here for Zhang Wanan. Ke packed up the books on his shelves, reminiscing about his time in office. Among the books packed was a volume by Tsai Ing-wen on cross-strait affairs, which Ke says will be read in the future. He also commented on the Taipei City Council's recent passage of a budget for video surveillance systems to be used by the city's police department. Ko had protested that the rules for using the budget were too restrictive, but his request for the budget to be reassessed was vetoed. After a proposal to reconsider the bill was blocked, the police department wrote to me asking what they could do. I said corporations are colluding with the city council to scam the country. That's what I'll write on the announcement. Over in his office, there were also plenty of memories. One of them was a foldable bicycle gifted to Ke by Councillor Wang Shijian to criticize Ke for making a big spectacle of his bike trips. Ke says he plans to ride the bike to NTU Hospital on Monday. <laughs> Ke said the bike was very handy, adding that he would welcome Wang to the Taiwan People's Party if he gets kicked out of the DPP, as Wang has recently been very critical of Premier Su Chang. I'll wait for him to get kicked out of the DPP. That should be happening soon, ha ha ha. I think with the things he's been saying, he's going to get the boot soon. Even on his last day at the office, Kirk captured much media attention, which is surely to follow him in the future.
Are you looking for a gift box for the Lunar New Year? The Down Syndrome Foundation might have what you're looking for. Its newest gift box is filled with delicious treats handmade by people with Down Syndrome. Our very own Stephanie Yang has the details. A group of performers dance along to a song. They are all part of the Down Syndrome Foundation. The foundation helps people with Down Syndrome gain work skills. Every year, the foundation produces a Lunar New Year gift box. This year's gift box contains homemade mooncakes, pineapple cakes, cookies, and more. Everything, even the packaging, is handmade by members of the foundation who have Down syndrome. 的礼盒，那啊，主要是啊，由我们啊，生长在汤宝宝的。The gift boxes are mainly handmade by people with Down syndrome. Some parts are produced by farmers in southern Taiwan, and some by companies. I hope that the production of these gift boxes by people with physical and mental disabilities will bring positive energy to society, and at the same time. Help those with Down syndrome find work. The foundation says that fundraising has been difficult since COVID hit. It hopes to raise funds to provide families with a hot Lunar New Year meal. Due to the pandemic over the past few years, the foundation's donations have been lower than expected, and sales of our gift boxes are below the annual range. We planned around 20,000 Spring Festival gift boxes this year. What's most important during the Lunar New Year is to send people love. Every year, we help low- and middle-income families and people with disabilities because otherwise, they may not have a meal for the Lunar New Year. The gift box fundraiser will last till January 10th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Li Yihan in Taipei. A hot spring hotel in Taidong's mountains has welcomed a family of Formosa magpies to its waters. The hotel staff are delighted by the views of the magpie family politely taking turns to enjoy the warm water. In the cold winter weather, even tiny wings need to be kept warm. A hotel's hot springs pool, empty of guests. But what's this flip-flap flapping? A Formosan blue magpie has landed on a big stone to enjoy the water. It lifts its wings gently and flaps the water up for a shower. When one bird has finished, the next one hops straight up to the spot. Altogether, five magpies are enjoying the poolside ambiance, a whole magpie family. They take it in turns to approach the water and enjoy a luxury dip. The temperature dropped to eight or nine degrees. So when the magpies are really cold, they come to our hot spring pool at the back first thing in the morning. The open-air hot springs are located in Bulbul Village in the Nanheng Mountain area of Taidong. The stunning ponds entice natural visitors like the magpies as well as humans. But while birds are often seen here, staff weren't sure if they were coming deliberately to manage the cold. Birds are warm-blooded creatures, so when it's cold and they need to clean their feathers in the water, they will choose the warmer hot spring water. The Formosan magpie is a bird that likes to flock and even exhibits family group behavior. The hotel is quiet, but that makes it easier for the magpies to make a family garden out of the hot springs. As they line up to take a dip, the hotel guests are lining up to catch a glimpse. Taiwan reported 18,905 local cases of COVID on Friday, a rise of 
20% from last week. A doctor says the hike is just the beginning of another wave of COVID that'll peak during the Lunar New Year in January. He says with overseas Taiwanese returning home for the holidays and with no quarantines for arrivals anymore, the numbers are bound to go up. This is what he said. We should take the matter seriously. We will likely see the next wave on January 6. So before then, it is advisable to get as many older people to get boosted with the next-gen vaccine as possible. The sooner they get vaccinated, the better. In winter, the weather changes and our lifestyle changes. We tend to close doors and windows and spend more time indoors. The ability of our respiratory mucosa to keep disease at bay also weakens somewhat. The viruses of the seasonal flu and respiratory syncytial virus haven't stopped mutating over the pandemic, so we are facing a triple threat. The doctor urged people to get vaccinated to be protected against COVID. Currently, only about two and a half million people have received a shot of a next generation vaccine. The CECC reminds the public that people who have received a BA1 COVID shot can also get a BA5 as long as they leave an interval of three months between the two injections. A spokesperson of the Federation of Taiwan Pharmacists Association came out to urge for calm amid concerns that Taiwan could see a shortage of cold medicine. Demand for painkillers and anti-fever medicine has soared as people snapped up drugs to send to China where there are severe medicine shortages. The spokesperson clarified that there is no shortage per se, as there is only a demand for the cold medicine Panadol. She said putting up signs limiting purchases may actually be counterproductive, as it may lead to panic purchasing. The medicine shortage in China is spilling over to Taiwan. One pharmacy chain is preemptively limiting customers to five boxes of cold medicines per person per day. This other pharmacist says demand is soaring. About eight in ten people come to ask about Panadol and similar medicines. Any given pharmacy may have five or six or more different types of generic medicines with the same active components. And paracetamol is not the only drug that you can use for sore throats or fevers that are so common in this outbreak. Ibuprofen can be even more effective than paracetamol. The deputy spokesperson for the Federation of Taiwan Pharmacists Associations, who runs a pharmacy herself, explains why she doesn't think rationing is the best way to go. We aren't rationing sales because, aside from Panadol, there aren't any production or supply shortages for medicines made with similar ingredients. If we were to put up a sign limiting sales, people would get the impression that there is a shortage, prompting them to buy a box just in case. If you limit it to two boxes, they'll buy two. I don't think doing that would have a positive effect. In fact, I think it would be counterproductive. With COVID case numbers exploding in China, many people are buying medicines to send to friends and family across the strait. At the post office, parcel after parcel of painkillers and anti-fever medicines are China-bound. 
The Ministry of Health and Welfare says it may launch measures to prevent hoarding in the future. The first step will be asking pharmacies to advise buyers against hoarding or impose limits on individual purchases. If a severe shortage ensues, a stricter regime may be imposed on drugs that use similar ingredients. The CECC says it may even launch an official rationing system if things get dire. Starting January 1st, foreign caregivers will be able to start work at their employer's home just three days after arriving in Taiwan. That's providing that they stay in a room with its own bathroom and test negative for COVID in a rapid test every day during the first seven days. Currently, caregivers are not allowed to work during the first week after arriving in Taiwan, as they often care for people in high-risk groups for COVID. A labor broker says currently Taiwan has a labor shortage of up to 50,000 workers and the relaxed rules will help the situation. The 2023 Taiwan International Festival of Arts is coming to Taipei again in February, featuring a total of 129 performances from Taiwan and abroad. What are some highlights of this year's festival? Our reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in for a preview. This is Will Island, a performance jointly produced by Lashi and Max Mind together with the puppet and its double theater. The team tells the story of Taiwan's mountains and rivers and the myths connected to those things through a combination of Nanguan and Beiguan music and puppetry. In the beginning, I wanted to make a fable related to Taiwan, because for years I had heard people say the shape of Taiwan Island looks very similar to that of a whale. So we combined the geographical features of Taiwan with the characteristics of the Kuroshio Current and the Tropic of Cancer to explore the story of how the island of Taiwan was formed. Another performance that will feature at the event is Small Island Big Song. In 2015, Taiwanese producer Bao Bao Chen and Australian music producer and filmmaker Tim Cole visited artists at their island homes and shared their stories and songs through a music video. After touring 17 countries, they have recorded and filmed over 100 musicians in 16 island nations across the Pacific and Indian Oceans. This show at Tifa is big, it's going to be very special for us because this will be the first time actually everyone comes together in Taiwan. Um, for the first time ever, we will have a show at the National Concert Hall, more than 2,000 audience and also um, all the different musicians from different islands coming together and um, there will be some interactive uh, videos and lighting and, and, and different elements. A total of 129 performances will be on show, with performance groups and artists hailing from Taiwan, France, Germany, Switzerland, Spain, the U.S., South Korea, and Australia, among other countries. Performances will center on topics like fake news, rising gender awareness, and conflicts. 
Over the past three years, we have seen that the themes of many artists' creations have transformed. For example, what artists care about now seems to be related to current environmental issues or social change. Topics such as fake news, gender awareness, and even Doctors Without Borders have featured in works. The 2023 Taiwan International Festival of Arts will run from February 18th to May 14th. FTV reporters Stephanie Yang and Lu Bosong in Taipei. Cafes and bakeries say they are struggling to source their strawberries this year amid poor yields all over the country. Farmers say part of the cause is the late arrival of cold weather this year, as well as the heavy rains earlier in the year. In many strawberry fields, large, good-looking strawberries are far and few between. Let's hear from some farmers. With this kind of weather, we are seeing heavier rains once every four or five years. The weather hasn't been very good. We only open up the field to tourists if there are strawberries to pick. Every day, people ask us whether there are any strawberries. We just can't provide that many. We won't be able to make up for the costs. Perhaps next year we'll plant fewer strawberries and instead plant corn and cherry tomatoes so that tourists can come and pick some. The strawberry shortage has caused their prices to soar. Last year, one kilogram went for around 145 NT at this time of the year. Since November this year, their price has peaked at 300 NT per kilo and now stands at 289 NT. Farmers say supply won't be back to normal until at least February, as strawberries take 45 days to grow and ripen.